Good morning. Welcome to Journey Church. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say it was beautiful seeing most of your faces as you walked in this morning. Some of you, if you're like me, you're kind of wishing you still had the mask on to hide some things. But we're here. We've made it a long ways. We're excited you guys have joined us this morning. Uh, and we have a special gift. If this is your first time with us, we want to celebrate you. We have a gift for you in the hallway on your way out this morning. It's a brown bag with some information about who we are, what we're all about, why we do church the way that we do it here at Journey Church. And so we want to get that into your hands before you leave. Uh, Also, if you came prepared to give this morning, if this is your first time, we don't want you to give. We want you to receive from us. But if you have come prepared to give, you can do that at journeymain.com or you can fill out our Connect card and give us a little information about who you are and why you've joined us this morning or give us some information let us know that you're here. We uh, have a full band this morning for the first time in a while. That's exciting. All right, I'm excited, but that's right. Jimmy's excited. There we go. You can clap. We're cool with that here at Journey Church. Uh, also, if you are new, we would love for you to pull out your cell phone and text 97000, and that will return to you a Connect card that gives us a chance to learn a little bit more about you. And so we'd love to do that. We're not going to spam you. Don't worry about that. Jim's not going to call you up three or four times during the week and ask questions. We just want to know you're here and celebrate you. So with that in mind, would you stand with us? We're going to sing a few songs. And before we do that, would you just... Smile at someone next to you and maybe say good morning. Maker of heaven and of earth, 
No one can comprehend your worth. King over all the universe, to you be the glory. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. Yeah, and it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me and raises dead men's life. It's all because of Jesus. Every sunrise sings your praise. The universe cries out your praise. Singing freedom all my days. Now that I'm alive. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me and raises dead men's life. It's all because of Jesus, and it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me and raises dead men's life. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. And it's all because of you. And it's all, all because of you. together strangers neighbors our blood is one children of generations of every nation of kingdom come so don't let your heart be troubled Hold your head up high, don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our hell comes from.
salvation, our salvation is in his blood. Jesus, light of heaven, friend forever, his kingdom come. So don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high, don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our hell comes from. Oh. loud if you know it. Swing wide, all you heavens. Let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Swing wide, all you heavens. Let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Swing wide. All you heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Oh.
Jesus, light of heaven, friend forever, his kingdom come. Rumors of the Son of Man Stories of Savior Holiness with human hands A treasure for the traitor No ear had heard, no eye had seen the image of the Father Until heaven came to live with me A rescue like no other You are worthy You are worthy of your name Yes, you speak you made no sound you died for your accusers but as your blood fell to the ground you redefined my future and on the day that you arose Darkness ran for cover For the King of Kings has claimed his throne Oh, now until forever My savior, my refuge, my hiding place. You're my helper, my healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle, my anchor for all my days. And you stand by my side And you stood in my place Jesus, no other name Only Jesus, no other name 
singing that song, I was reminded of one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. and It's a, a really simple line. <clears throat> Moses is talking to God, and, and God's talking to Moses about sending Moses back into Egypt to set his people free. And Moses is scared. He said, but God, who, who should I say sent me? And God responds with two simple words. I am. Those two words cover everything. The reason God is, is so worthy is he is whatever you need. He's your redeemer. He's your hope. He's your, your steadfast foundation. He's the, the better days that are before us. He is, he is whatever you have need of this morning. So we're going to take a moment to pray, but, but I don't want to move past this. If, if you're here and you need a friend, he's your friend. You need a shoulder to cry on, he's a shoulder to cry on. You need someone to give you a high five and say, it's going to be better tomorrow. God's giving you a high five and putting his hand around and saying, it's going to be better tomorrow. He is the I am. He is worthy. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for being all that we could ever want, Lord, all that we could ever need. Lord, forever we find ourselves this morning with, with whatever we may be going through, Lord, or just coming out of, or God, maybe we just need somebody to put their arm around us. Lord, would you be that to us right now? Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you begin to minister to us? God, would you be whatever it is that we need? our hope, our salvation, our Savior, our Redeemer. I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus. God, in Him there is all hope. In His name, God, we have everything we ever need. So I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for what you're already doing this morning. I pray you continue to do your good work in us through the rest of this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can find your seats this morning. <clears throat> If this is your first time to journey, let me say welcome. 
Uh, my name is Jim, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm thrilled that you're with us this morning. If you're joining us online for the first time, I certainly hope it won't be uh, your only first time. I hope you come back and you enjoy um, what you're seeing this morning, what you're going to hear. We are in part four of a series. We're going to conclude our series called You've Got Style. We're going to begin that in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, uh, I just want to reiterate a little bit what Brian said this morning. We're happy you're here. Uh, if this is your first time, we'd love to connect with you. So stop by, see one of our uh, ushers or greeters in the back. We'll make sure we get you a gift. But we'd love to know you're here and, and not to send you weird calls or, or uh, letters, things like that. We're not going to show up at your doorstep. I know some churches have done that, and that gets a little weird. We just want to say uh, that we're happy you're here, and we'd love to know you're here and answer any questions you might have about Journey. So at any point throughout the service, um, head out to our website, journeymain.com, or check text JC Connect to 97000. Let us know you're here. Uh, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Um, that is about it. We are going to jump into our series. Uh, You've Got Style. If you haven't been with us this far, we'll do a quick catch-up, but you should have to head out to our website and catch up because it's been a really uh, interesting series. Really, uh, from a spe speaker's perspective, it's been one of the best because you guys are actually engaging with it. And it's always incredible when you speak and somebody engages with what you're speaking. So uh, You've Got Style. We're going to show you a quick video, and then I'll be here to conclude the message. You've got style, scene one alpha. What were you like as a kid? Ooh. Um, I would say I was very challenging, really, really hyper. I was a smart aleck, uh, as we would say. Kind of spunky. Uh, such a tomboy. What would you say your style is now? A little bit hippie-ish. Always comfortable. Matching. Timeless. I really don't have a style right now. <laughs> Can you describe your personality? On or off the golf course? Bright. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Loud, very loud. Outgoing. Daring. Spontaneous. I don't want to say dramatic, but a little bit. <laughs> How do you best connect with God? Through serving. When I get in my car and just turn worship music up really loud. During intimate conversations with close friends and mentors. Through His Word. In nature is where I connect with God. You know, sometimes a few weeks into a series, I get tired of seeing the video. I'm not going to get tired of that video. I, I'm, I'm going to miss it, actually. Uh, if you weren't here last week, and I know Brian wasn't, he was celebrating his anniversary, I kind of threw him on the spot and told him, at some point today, he's going to have to do uh, that little awesome growl that that guy gave with sunglasses. So when you come up to close, Brian, bring your sunglasses and get ready for that. It's going to be awesome. Um, we've been in this series called You've Got Style, and the whole series has been really around answering this question, how do you best connect with God? Uh, one of the mis our mission hero journey really is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Or another way of saying that is to help you connect with God so that you can grow in a relationship with him. The, the amazing thing about Christianity is that we get to have a relationship with our God. Some other religions don't believe that their God's kind of far off. He did what he did and he left. We believe um, that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to open the door so that we can come and have a relationship with him. That's like the bare bones bottom line of Christianity. We believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he opened the door to connect. The question is, how do we connect with God? And that's what we've been, um, been talking about. 
This week, I think what we're, we have the opportunity to talk about this morning really has the opportunity to not just make a difference in our lives, but I think it has the opportunity to make a difference in our community. That if we, if we begin to live this way, this would show the community that what we believe, what we just spent all that time singing about, is actually true. That we serve a God who is everything we need. He is the I am. He's your help and your hope and your foundation and your solid rock, your savior, your redeemer, all those things. We have the opportunity to show the community that if we could get what we're going to talk about this morning. And it's going to seem a little bit controversial in light of where we are in our society and in our world, but I think, I think it's the answer. I want to start off by telling you about a really important day in my life, maybe the most significant day in my life. And uh, that day was October 6th, 2006. Um, it's, it's right around my wedding anniversary. I know some of you, if you know my wedding anniversary, you're thinking, you got it wrong. It's October 7th. I know, but that's not the most significant day. And now, Tanya's not here. She's in the kids. You're all thinking I have dirt on Jim, and I can tell her afterwards. Um, here's why it wasn't the most significant day. I, I loved the week of my wedding. Um, we got married in the fall, and we've always loved fall. I lived in Maine. She was in Massachusetts. I remember heading down the week of the wedding and spending time with family as they were coming into town and helping uh, get the wedding preparations done. We gave uh, caramel apples to every person at the wedding. That was like our wedding favor, and I had to make a few hundred caramel apples. That was like my job of the week. Uh, it was an absolute disaster, but it was an absolute blast. We had a fantastic wedding. I, I remember <clears throat> the rehearsal, uh, showing up with that anticipation and all, all of my brothers. And I have a, a, if you haven't heard this before, I have a huge family. I'm the second of seven, and my dad has eight siblings. We, I mean, we just had a massive wedding. And all of my siblings had to be in the wedding, so our wedding party was like 12 people long. It was just huge on either side. So we show up, and family's there, and it's, it's loud, and we're talking, and then we start the, you know, the proceedings. And I remember standing up at the front waiting for her to come down. And even though she wasn't in her wedding dress, she looked absolutely stunning. And we walked through uh, all the things you do on the, the rehearsal. And then we went and we had dinner at one of our favorite restaurants, Vinny T's in Lexington. It was this Italian place that we love to go to. It's no longer there, but it was one of our favorites when we were there. And we're sitting around with family, and it was amazing. And you know, then we leave, and I'm hanging out with my brothers and, and family. And it's like you know, your last night as a bachelor, and it's just a significant time. You're, you're telling stories and reminiscing and anticipating the future. And I remember the morning of the wedding. I'm getting, I'm getting ready in the hotel, and my, my mom comes in to check on me. And it was just this, this kind of weird moment of like everything's about to change, right? I'm no longer just going to be her little boy. I'm going to be Tanya's husband, and life's going to look different. And you know, we get to the wedding, and sure enough, she comes walking down the aisle. Now, this is October 7th, so we're going to talk about the 6th in a minute. But she comes walking down the aisle as radiant and as beautiful as ever. and Tears are in my eyes, and it's just beautiful. We go through the rituals. We say our I do's, and we say our vows. And then as a couple, the first thing we do together was an act of worship. We take communion, and my pastor's there, and he and his wife are this old Italian couple singing a beautiful song. It was fantastic. I remember leaving the church and going to get our pictures taken out and, uh, on a hill in, in Boston, and it was gorgeous, and the colors had changed, and the fire department showed up with a fire truck, and we got to take pictures in front of a fire truck, and it was just this beautiful, beautiful day. We, we didn't get anything to eat. As those of you who are married know, it's like hard to find any time to eat because you're just on the move. We go to the reception, and we chose this place for the food. I didn't get any food. I mean, it was just a whirlwind. You're saying hi to people you haven't seen and friends you haven't seen in years and family that's getting your attention, and there's pictures. You cut the cake. The only piece of cake I had was the one she smeared on my face. That was it. <clears throat> it was just a whirlwind of a day. And then I remember sitting there at a moment at our table when it was just quiet, and instead of eating, we just kind of look at each other like, I can't believe we're married. I can't believe we're actually married. Who would let us do this? We're just kids. We don't know any better. But we were just 
kind of awestruck by it. Then we leave that uh, the reception hall and we drive into Boston and we're getting ready for our honeymoon. And you know, it's just this, this amazing idea of, of two people becoming one. And it was incredible. It was an amazing night. And I absolutely loved it. But that wasn't the most significant point of that whole week. The most significant point happened the night before. After the, the, the rehearsal at the church, we're at the restaurant and we're eating and I'm sitting around with all of my friends and, and family. And when I say all, like, we're an Italian family, so if you show up, my dad's just inviting you to dinner. And I, I don't know, you know, he had to pay the bill. God bless him. Aunts and uncles were driving in. It's like, yeah, come on to the rehearsal. It's like, but this is just for the party. No, everybody come. We started with what should have been a small group, and we had the entire, like, second floor, huge room of this restaurant. It was, it was wild. And I remember sitting back in my chair with my arm around my wife and looking across the tables at all of our family, and there's loud noise and commotion, and people are yelling, and kids are running around. And, like, in, in that moment, it was like, this is crazy. I can't believe we're about to do this. And then my dad stands up and he begins to give his toast or his speech. And as he's talking and he's, he's kind of painting the picture of what it is to, to welcome someone into the family and not just have a son but to now have an additional daughter, that was the most significant point of that whole week for me. Sitting in that chair, something changed in me. It, it, I, I began to look out over all of these people, random people from all over the country and thought, this is it. This is, this is our family. Things are going to change. At, at that moment where it was absolute chaos, I had the most peace because I realized in that moment, God had created this for me and Tanya. It, it was the moment where we would become one, where we would be joined, where we would leave our families and we would come together as one and we would learn what it means to be one. And it was just, it, it's one of those moments that will stay with me forever. <clears throat> and then we get married. And, you know, you go into the marriage as a newlywed thinking, this is going to be amazing. We're going to get along. We're going to have a great time. We're never going to fight. Oh, the only people who laughed here, listen, are married couples. Because every married couple knows, oh, you poor, poor, poor boy. <clears throat> like that, that's, that's kind of what you go into the marriage thinking. Well, now we're, we're one and we're together and we just spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to do this. Of course it's going to go well. But then it doesn't go well. And that's the interesting thing. Although we've come together, we had to learn now that we've become one, how to kind of get along because we were completely different. How do, how do you become one when you're so different? And we were different. We came from different parts of the world. She grew up outside of Boston, and I grew up north of Philadelphia. So we had some different background a little bit. She says some things a little weird. She adds R's on the end of words that end in A, like pizza is pizza I don't know if you ever heard that. It's a little weird. And then letter, uh, words that end in R, she adds an A-H, right? Then it's, it's wada for water and ka for car. And she just talks weird. I'm like, this is weird. Why do you say things that way? And she calls the, the water, or she calls a water fountain a bubbla. I don't know if any of you, if that's like a whole New England thing or just a Boston thing, but that completely threw me. It's like, this is weird. We're completely different. We're from different parts of the world. She, she thinks about things differently than I do. And even though we're only a few states apart, we grew up with different ideas and different rituals. And, and we grew up with different perspectives. Uh, the way our, our families got along. Her, her idea of dinner when we got married was microwaving a bowl of, of frozen peas. And I, I'm like an Italian boy. You don't get to be built like this eating frozen peas every night. I'm like, that's not, even a, that's not even a proper side. There's no butters. Like, you, you haven't done anything there. Like, I, my, I grew up, and my mom, if you're listening, God bless you, you made salad and pasta and bread, and then we finished every night off with dessert and coffee. Like, that's a dinner, and we just didn't see eye to eye. How did, how did we become one when we're so different? 
F- family things were, were different. Her idea of uh, her favorite pastime every night was to clean. We lived in a small apartment, and every night she'd clean. I'm not lying. This isn't, uh, you think I'm exaggerating. This, uh, you know, you just got to make an elaborate story. She cleaned every night. Our small apartment was the cleanest thing I've ever seen. You could have had dinner on our linoleum floors. Uh, it just it blows my mind because I like things clean, but I remember at one point looking around thinking, you can only make this 70s linoleum look so good. Like, maybe we should back off. No, like every day, every week it got clean. That's what she loved to do. My family, we like to sit around and play games and, and talk. We would talk movies and, you know, TV. And we, or one of the things we always did was movie lines. So if you don't know movies, you don't fit in at a family conversation. <clears throat> she wasn't a big movie buff, so she'd show up and we'd be yelling movie lines and we'd be talking or playing games like Monopoly. She hates Monopoly. Or we'd play card games like Gin. And in the midst of these card games, we would get really loud. I don't know if your family is like this. We'd start yelling at each other, but the yelling at each other was our way of showing love. It was a way of showing affection. And anytime you bring somebody outside of that world into that world, it's like earth shattering. I remember, I've talked to many people like, I don't know how you guys do it. That is just stressful. You'll, you'll be okay. You'll, you know, you're learning to be one. You'll, you'll learn to get along. Our, our family traditions were different. We came from different places. And then as we began to think, you know, now that we're together, how do we, have, how do we make our own family? And how do we have our own traditions? And, and what are the things we do? And, and it became increasingly difficult because how do you become one when you're so incredibly different? And, and although that story's awesome, here's, here's where you connect, the dots are going to begin to connect. You see, even though it got difficult and every time we were on the verge of a fight or on the verge of like some really loud, horrible fights, I'd come back to that moment, that significant day, and it would remind me, no, 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 but remember, God created that day for you, for you two to come together, for you two to be one, for you to be complete and her to be complete together. You see, we believe this, that we are better together. And if you're married, my hope for you and your marriage is you believe that. And if you don't, you should call me and we should talk this week. But our hope is that you, we would believe that we're better together. So that every time we fight, it, it, it may be a little bit of a separation, no, but we're going to come together and we're going to figure it out because we're better together. I believe it's true of my marriage, but I also believe it's true of our church. It should be true of our church. You see, we all come from different backgrounds, some of us from different races, different parts of the world. We all have, have different perspectives and different views. We may have d- different cultural uh, um, heritage. We, we may have different rituals and different traditions. But we're better together. Collectively, together, the church is better together. While this is an extremely positive thing, everyone discovering their style, everyone discovering who they are, as we've talked about for the last few weeks, What's, what's interesting is as we've kind of walked through this and you've learned your style, you've taken that test online. If you haven't taken your test, you should head out. Journeyman.com, take the test. It's free. Even though we're wrapping up this series, you should do it. You should figure out a little bit more about who you are and what makes you you and, and what makes you significant. God has wired each of us in different ways to connect with him. And that's what we've been talking about, how we connect with God, how, how, how we are naturally kind of wired or inclined to connect with him. We all have a way to do it. We all have, have this, this kind of instinctive nature, this wiring to connect with God in a way. And once you find out what your way is, over the last few weeks we've talked about how we connect with God through these staples, through, through prayer, and how do we connect with God through reading of Scripture. And these things are amazing, and learning more about yourself is amazing. But, but if, if we're not careful, we'll learn a, a lot about ourselves, and it'll be really exciting, but it'll, it'll, it'll make us think like perhaps like our way is the best way. 
Really, that's the danger is that we can begin to think that, that well, the way Jim, Jim does it, the way Jim connects is really the best way. And if you don't do it the way I do it, then you're doing it wrong because my way clearly is the best way. It, it's how I was, was meant to do it. And it's how I connect. And it's how I, I, I kind of lean into God and how God begins to lean into me. And, and if we're not really careful, well, not only will we begin to think that our way is the best way, if we, I mean, that's, you know what happens when we think our way is the best? We think everyone else is what? We think everyone else is less. If my way is the best and you don't do it my way, then you're less than. So, so there's a danger in discovering a little bit more about yourself, and that's that we can think that our way is the best way. And as we begin to walk that road, then we begin to think that our way is the only way. And that if you're not doing it my way, then you're doing it completely wrong. Well, you don't believe that, like, like I believe, so we can't be friends. And Oh, you go to that church? Yeah, I've heard about that church. You, know, that's not even, you can't even really call that a church. Oh, you do it that way? Oh, you worship that way? You, you, you read that translation? No, we, we, you can like, no, we can't. So as we begin to learn more and more about ourselves, we, we can fall into these two traps of thinking that our way is best, that our way is the only way. And if we're not careful, these, two, these things lead us to two bigger problems. And these are two problems that we see throughout the church world all over. The first is this. It's division in disbelief. That our way is, is so much the only way that if you don't do it our way, then you need to go somewhere else. And, and now we're divided. And, and that it, as, as we begin to, to feel this division, as we begin to feel like this, this separation in church, that, that you don't belong to our church and you don't sing those kind of songs and you don't, you know, you can't go to church in jeans and a t-shirt. Well, you're just completely doing it wrong. There's, there's division. And then if we're not careful, that division begins to lead us to disbelief. Well, I, I, thought, I, I thought you guys were supposed to be about love. I thought you were supposed to love each other. And, and then I hear you talking about, about this church over there and how they do it, and I hear you talk about him and, and how he tries to connect, and, and you're supposed to, to, to love each other, and you want me to, to, to believe in, in, in this God that loves me when you can't even learn to love each other? I don't know that I can believe that. And this division breeds disbelief. You see, Jesus remarked on this, and I think this is absolutely beautiful of him. When Jesus was on earth, he, you know, we talk about his ministry all the time and his death and his resurrection, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. But before he left the earth, after he was resurrected, he spent a few days on the earth with his disciples. He speaks into this very thing. He actually says a prayer, and the prayer is recorded for us. And in the prayer, he, he starts off by praying for his disciples, for the guys. Or actually, he starts off praying about him and about his message, that his message would be made known. And then he starts praying about his disciples and God, would you, would you help these guys to, to carry the word and to bring the word to, to the cities and to the, to the world, to bring the hope and the message of me that, that, that would save and would offer hope and all the things we talked about, salvation and redemption and everything that you need. And then he, he says, he concludes his prayer by, by praying for the next generation, which really is you and I. I, I don't bet you didn't know that. There's some Bible trivia for you. Jesus prayed for you. He actually prays for us, for the people that would come later. Here's how his prayer starts. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. And for them, he's talking about his disciples. Father, I'm not just praying for my disciples alone. I'm also praying for them who will believe. That's us. That's you. That's me. For them who will believe in me through their message, the disciples' message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me. God, I, I pray that even though they'll begin to figure out who they are and how they're wired and how, how unique you made them, because we are all created unique. 
God, that even though they begin to discover these things and how they should connect with you, God, I, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. God, I pray you would help them to hear this message, that there wouldn't be this, this division, there wouldn't be this disbelief. And then he goes on and, and he kind of wraps his prayer up this way. Just as you and I are one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jim, why does it matter? Why do we have to worry about this division and this disbelief? Jesus said, because if, if you don't do it, the world won't believe who I am. It's almost like he's beginning to connect these dots for us, that, that the way we connect, the way we, we support each other, the way we lift each other up, the, the, the way we, we kind of live in unity, it actually affects his credibility. That the more the church begins to fight, the more, the more this idea of us becoming one, right? It's kind of this great connection to marriage, right? Two come together and become one. As the church becomes one, he said, if, if they don't learn to live that way, if they don't learn to act that way, if they don't have that significant moment where they can look back to, where, where all of that disbelief and all of that fighting and all of those arguments that, that tend to creep up in any relationship, where, where it begins to separate them and divide them, that when they begin to, to divide... I begin to lose credibility. You see, Jesus knew that, that the way we live and the way we act and the way we love and the way we support each other would be a testimony to the world of his love for them. And that if we can't do this, then the world may never know. The world may never know that God loves them. The world may never know how amazing this place is. The world may never know that Jesus gave everything for them. So the question then is, what does it look like? What does it look like for us to, to be one? What does it look like for us to be united? What does it look like for us to fight for each other instead of against each other? What does it look like for us to, to learn how to, to lift each other up instead of pushing each other down? The Apostle Paul speaks into this in, in uh, his letter to the Corinthian church. We're going to look at it in a translation I don't often use. It's a translation called The, the Message. Eugene Peterson kind of looked at all of the scripture, and then he, he kind of broke it down in today's language. So it's really kind of readable, almost conversational. But he did it so that we would have, would have a better idea, a better understanding of the scriptures. In, in his version, he takes this, this kind of idea that Paul has about us being united as the body of Christ, as, as the family of God, as a church, and, and he crafts some beautiful language around it. Here is how Paul says... We should learn to be one. We should learn to live for each other. You can easily see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. You see, your body has many parts, like limbs and organs and cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. He's saying, guys, get the idea. Like, look at yourselves. You have hands and elbows and knees and feet, and you have a head, and you have other parts, like, like private parts that we're not going to mention. And you're thinking, Jim, but why would you even bring that up? I don't. Paul actually brings it up. You should read 1 Corinthians 12. He actually says that. We're going to look at that in a minute. He says, but you have all of these parts. You have all of these pieces that, that are kind of put together that make a body. That is a, a great representation of what it is to be connected to Christ. You may come from different backgrounds and different parts of the world. You may have different rituals and, and, and then a different history. You, you may have different hopes for the future. But when you come together, what brings you together is more important and stronger than what pushes you apart. He says, you need to come together. And then as he continues his conversation, he says, this is how the church should look. 
Each of us have our part. Each of us have, have an important role to play. We are each significant. We are each important. Not one more important than the other, but all important. We all have a part to play. He says this, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding how lo- our lives together as a church. For every part on ev- and every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't. See, that was Paul, not me. The parts we see and the parts we don't. And, and if you... Excuse me. Can you go to the next one? If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. And if one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That is who you are. And you must never forget it. He said you all have an important role to play. You all are important to the body. And when one of you hurts, you all hurt. And when one of you rejoices, you all rejoice. That's how the body works. It's how it was crafted to be together. And if it's not working that way, it's almost like the body is is fighting against itself and ripping itself apart. He said, that's not how God designed you. You all have an important role to play. You all might be different. You all might connect to God in a different way. Some of you might connect to God through nature. Some of you might connect to God through reading. Some of you might connect to God by, by taking these quiet moments, these long moments, But each of you have an important role to play. Not one of you is better than the other. But you are all meant to work together. Because together, we can show the world that what we believe about God is true. That he is the great I am. That he is everything you need. Your hope and your salvation, your redemption, your saving grace, your mercy, your strength. But the world doesn't see that when we're fighting. So how does that, how does that fit into what we've been talking about? You see, I think if, if Paul could get in a time machine and kind of jump forward to today as in, in part four of, you know, you've got style, I think he would say something like this. I think he would say, hey, if you're a tr- an intellectual in the room, if you're one of the intellectuals, you, you, you love God through, through kind of your mind, through understanding If you're an intellectual in the room, then here's what you need to know. Your mind is important. What you believe about God is important. How you always have to dig in to know the truth, right? You need to know the what behind the why, or rather the why behind the what. You need to figure out the history of Jesus. That's important, and you have a role to play because some people need to know the history behind Jesus, the history behind our faith, and you get to be the ones that tell them. If you're an intellectual, you are absolutely important. You have a role to play. You get to tell people the why behind Jesus. But if you're a caregiver, if you love God through serving others, he said, look at the world. The world is full of hurting people, hurting people who need to to know that God loves them, that God sees their need and God cares about it, that God sees their hurt and their pain and that he wants to do something about it. You get to be the people who go into the world and bring that message, bring that hope and bring that care and bring that love that surrounds them. If you're a caregiver, if that's, that's how you connect by serving others, Paul would say that's what you need to do. You need to care and you need to love people and you need to tell them that God is the answer for their problem. If you're an enthusiast, you love God through mystery and celebration. Believe it or not, there is a world full of people that think church is boring. Hopefully none of you. There's a world full of people that think that church is boring and following Jesus is outdated. 
You get to be the ones that talk about the mystery. You get to be the ones that talk about the adventure of how exciting it can be to follow Jesus. You get to lead, lead, lead by example, live by example, and show people how awesome the journey gets to be. That was a pun intended. And how awesome it is to follow Jesus. You have an important role to play. Maybe you're a sensate. You, you love God through, through their senses. You see, everybody that came after Jesus will never know what it was like to see Jesus or to touch Jesus. But the way you connect with God is so unique. Because even now, thousands of years after Jesus lived and walked to the earth and ascended back to heaven, you connect with God in very tangible ways. And for those of us who will never connect to God that way, you get to be the ones to show us how we can connect with God and how we can almost touch God in this world. Because that's how you connect with the Father. And for somebody like me, who never gets to experience that, your experience is so important. Maybe you're a contemplative. Contemplatives, they love God through adoration. These are the people that take time, and they just love sitting in God's presence for hours and hours. You, you can kind of tune the world out and connect with God. You're the people who get to show the world that, that God isn't some this far-off kind of cosmic God who created the universe and then walked away and, and you know, let things carry on but that God is this deeply personal God who loves you and who wants to know you. And more than that, he wants you to know him. Maybe you're an aesthetic. Aesthetics love God through solitude and simplicity. You have a key role to play in this world because as busy as we are, and we all feel like we're busier than we've ever been, you're the people who take steps out of that busyness and they take moments and time to spend time with God. And you can show the rest of us that you can take those moments out to connect with your Heavenly Father. And the world isn't going to fall apart. The world's going to keep going. And you can connect and you can learn and you can develop this relationship with your Father. And that God isn't too busy for you. And that God isn't, isn't some disconnected God. But that He loves you and He wants to know you. Maybe you're, you're an activist. If Paul were here, he'd say, you're the kind of people who love God through fighting for godly principles. And he would say, I think that's a little bit of what I am. I love fighting for God. I, I want to I right the wrongs of society. I want to rid the world of its ills. He would say, you've got to couple that passion with, with this idea in the world that God cares more about that than even you do. That God wants the, the wrongs and the ills of society gone. You need to remember that you represent Jesus in every one of those situations. And that as you're out there doing the things that you care so much about, it shows the rest of the world that we just don't talk a good talk as followers of Jesus, but that we also walk the walk. Maybe you're a naturalist and you connect with God through nature. <clears throat> you love walking outdoors. Paul would say, I know exactly what that's like. As a matter of fact, in Romans 1, I wrote about it, that God revealed himself to all of us through his creation. So as you're out walking through nature and you're connecting with God through nature, you have this amazing ability to know what it's like to experience God in everything you see around you. You have an important role to play. Because you get to show everyone else, no matter what you believe, you can look around you and you can see God right around you. And finally, he would say, for, for you traditionalists who love God through ritual and symbol, there are thousands and thousands of years of church history. There are thousands and thousands of years of rituals uh, of why we've done communion from the very beginning of this movement. And you get to inspire and encourage and lead people through practicing these rituals, through connecting with their Heavenly Father through knowing what it means to follow Jesus. You see, we all have an important role to play. 
Each of us is a part of a body that works together. And as we work together, the, the, the beautiful picture begins to come clear. And the world begins to experience the goodness and the kindness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. But it's when we work together. It's not when we all look the same. You see, unity is not uniformity. But oftentimes that's what we think. Well, you don't do it like I do. You don't sing like I do. You don't listen to the same music as I do. So we're not really connected. You say, no, 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 that's, that's uniformity. Unity is different. Unity is setting aside your differences to make a difference in the world. Unity is realizing that, that I, I may have my own set of desires and they may have their own set of desires, but the greater desire to love Jesus and make Jesus known is what brings us together. Unity is the realization that we are better together. And here's why this is so important. Because as a church, when we begin to get this right, it changes, it changes the church. It changes our effectiveness. This has the ability to change the world. And we say, well, that's just preacher talk. How do you know that? Because it happened once before 2,000 years ago when the church became more effective and the church became more influential because the church acted as one. And if we could get that right, we could change our communities. Journey Church, you need to hear it from me before you hear it from anyone else. We love what we do in this community, but we are not fighting alone. We're not fighting other churches. We are for other churches, and we are fighting for other churches. We are all on the same team. And when other churches do well, we rejoice with them. And when other churches hurt, we hurt with them, and we want to encourage them. We are together, and we want to be together. We are better together as a church, and we are better together as churches in our community. And when we get this right, we can change the world. That's the kind of church that Jesus said, I've come to establish. And here's the, the amazing thing about this. This isn't even good just for churches, but it's good for you. It's, it, when you get this right, when you begin to, to love people beyond, beside their differences, beside their, their, their like uniqueness and their unique style, you become more influential. You become more attractive. You become more... Fill in the blank. Imagine being that kind of a boss. Right? You, you run your own company and you pull people together for a meeting and you say, hey, it, it doesn't matter. We all have our own ideas and we all have our own opinions on this. And you're allowed to have those opinions. You're allowed to have your, your own ideas. But, but when we come together, we're going to set aside our differences for the greater good of this company. We're going to find a way to work together for the greater good. I mean, imagine being that kind of boss. Imagine, being, imagine how effective your company would be at that one thing you want to do. Imagine if you were a parent. And you're looking at your children and you think, man, you're seven years old and you feel weird, but you know, you're a seven-year-old and every seven-year-old is weird. So I get it. You're weird and your sister's a teenager and, and, and you know, that's, that's what that is. And you might, guys might feel like you got to fight against each other. But, but here's the thing. I, I want you to realize this. No matter how real you fear, no matter how much of an attitude you might have, we are a family and we are going to fight together. You will fight for your sister and your sister will fight for you. And no matter what happens, as your parent, I love you, and I'm for you. And we are going to be united, and we are going to fight for each other instead of against each other. Imagine if every husband felt that way, and every wife felt that way. God, I know we're different. I know we come from different backgrounds, and we have different ways of connecting, even different ways of, of worshiping God. But, but instead of fighting against you, instead of thinking my way is the right way, and your way is just inferior because you don't do it the way I do it. What if we set our differences aside and decided to come together and say, but, but no matter what those differences are, 
the greater good is that you know that I am fighting for you and that I am on your side. And then no matter what happens, I'm in your corner and I have your back. Wouldn't we all want that out of our relationship? I can tell you as somebody who counsels people, that would solve like 75% of every marital problem. If we just knew we're better together. It doesn't matter what, boyfriend, girlfriend, leader, teacher, employee or employer. When we realize that we're better together, we're better. And let's be honest, when we look out into our world, I think we could use a little more of this. When we look out into what's happening in our society, it's like everybody has an opinion, and we're all entitled to those opinions, but now we have soapbox to shout those opinions, and everybody who agrees on one stands behind that soapbox, and everyone who agrees with the other stands behind that soapbox, and we're just like fighting and tearing each other apart. There's no fighting for each other. We're fighting against each other. There's no building each other up. It's like who can tear each other down the quickest and the hardest. I think we could use a little more of this in our world. And the only way it happens is when people who sit and hear this and realize we're better together and we need to fight for unity, take that message out into the world. Listen, you're allowed to have your own opinion. You're allowed to disagree. You're allowed to be different and you're allowed to be unique. But you were never intended to take that and tear somebody down because they're not like you. That's uniformity. That's not unity. Years ago, I remember reading uh, uh, this line from a, a famous pastor, somebody, I guess the pastor's meant a lot to me, Andy Stanley. He said this once in one of his teachings, be a student, not a critic. And I thought, that's really smart. But is it really true? You see, at least for me, it's really easy to be a critic. It's really easy to stand on my side of my belief and my opinion and my uniqueness and point the finger at everyone else and say, well, you're all wrong. If the rest, I mean, and, and I know I'm not alone in this. If the rest of the world was like me, there'd be no problems. It's really easy to be a critic. Because critics just stand on the other side and point. Well, you're doing that wrong, and you're not right, and because you that, we could never be friends. You're just, you know. But when you're a student, when you come to the table and say, I, we may disagree, we may, we may not line up on everything, but I think there's something you're doing that I can learn from. And I think there's something I, I'm doing that you might be able to learn from. I think that's a better way. I think that's what makes us better when we learn to come together. You see, I'm a better father, I'm a better man, I'm a better husband, I'm a better son because I'm with Tanya. And Tanya's a better daughter and a better wife and a better mother because she's with me. And then I look at our church and I think, you see, I'm a better leader, I'm a better pastor, and I'm a better follower of Jesus because of all of you. You know the experience my, my family has gone through with my wife having cancer. I have never felt more love and surrounded by people who cared for us more than I have in, in the past few weeks of our life. You see, that's, that's unity. That's being better together. And if you could take that message into your communities, it could change your communities. If you took that message out of here into your families, it would change your families. If you took that message out of here into your, your marriage, it would change your marriage because you're better together. Jesus made that promise. That's what my church should be. And that church, even the gates of hell can't stand against it.
Maybe it's time we start acting like that church. Maybe it's time we start fighting for each other and not against each other. Maybe it's time we start lifting each other up instead of pushing each other down. You're all unique. You're all created differently. You all have a different style. And you should love that style and you should use that style to connect to God. But that style, that uniqueness should never divide us. It should bring us closer together. Let me pray for us before we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for first for, God, this incredible series that has taught me so much, Lord. God, that has showed us what it is to be a follower of Jesus and how to connect with you better. God, I pray for every person who would hear this message, whether they're in, in person, Lord, or they're online, or they're going to listen to it later during the week. God, that this would inspire us, Lord, that no matter how unique we are, no matter how different we might feel, like maybe, God, that would be like we've never fit, fit in. God, we fit into your family. We all have a part to play. We all have a piece in the game. God, I pray that we would see that and we would connect. God, that we would love each other and lift each other up, that we would support each other and fight for each other. God, that we would answer Jesus' prayer and we would be one as you and he are one. God, and I pray that as we do that, Lord, we would see the changes, God, not just in our lives, but in our friends, in our family, in our communities. God, as we live as a church who is better together, would you give us the courage, Lord, even now to begin to take a step to do that, to, to lay our differences aside and begin to connect? And would you give us the wisdom to do it? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> a big part of that is being willing to be open. And I think through this past year, something I've realized is that it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to open up to other people and uh, let people come in and help you out and be there for one another. So I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful week. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Memorial Day tomorrow as we celebrate those who gave their life for all of us in their service to this country. And um, if you are a veteran, we celebrate you today as well. Um, have a wonderful day tomorrow, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.